And welcome back to the Ford Taylor Talks podcast. I'm Pat Williams, otherwise known as BW. Thank you, Ford, for my short nickname. Easy to remember. You're welcome, PW. I need to have things as I get older that I can remember easily. So it's always good seeing you. <laughs> We've got an amazing guest today, Ford. We're going to continue our conversation around racial healing and reconciliation today. Uh, we're honored to be joined by Pastor Tracy Hunter of Western Hills Brethren in Christ Church. And Ford, I usually read all of the bio, but uh, this is such a dear friend of yours. You said, just read the first part. Let me do the rest. Yeah. It's PW, I don't think you can read a bio uh, and get Tracy Hunter. I don't think it's possible. Uh, Tracy is, you know, she's uh, owned and run a radio station, a lawyer, a judge. I mean, she won a judgeship that that no one in her category had ever run, won in that city. Uh, she's not that gorgeous. She's brilliant. I mean, there's just, there's things that you, she had never put in her bio. And, and she's a dear friend. Uh, and the friendship that she has shown me and that we developed over the years, it's just taught me so much. I mean, uh, you know, even as a mentor, as a teacher, you know, helping me understand things I didn't understand uh, about different cultures, gender, you know, the things I would say that I had no idea the pain I would bring. And, and she loved me enough to, to be a friend to help me with that. So, Tracy, I, there's no way I can put into words uh, how much I appreciate you, how much I love you, and, and how much thank you, thank you, thank you for agreeing to be on the show today. Um, because I, I've, you could be taking some risk here, and to do it because you have such a heart to see racial reconciliation and see people come together uh, thank you for being with us today. Well, it's an honor for um, to be invited by you, honestly, to do this uh, today. And and as you know, um, I'm I'm only doing it because you are a friend, uh, a true friend of mine, a genuinely um, just honorable uh, man that I I'm so glad to call friend. And and so when you asked um, because it's you, based on our relationship, I said yes. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. You know, when we sat down and decided to do this podcast, uh, our goal was quite simple. We really wanted to help people. And I can't think of uh, a more timely subject matter to help people right now around this subject of racial healing and reconciliation. Would you Would you give us a, um, a little version of how you met Ford? Uh, this is my favorite part of the podcast when we bring on different <laughs> guests and they talk about how they, how they met Ford. So uh, I'm going to let you start. Uh, yes, PW. Um, I don't mind at all. Um, I actually met Ford. I don't believe that was the first time I'm getting older too. So, <laughs> uh, but, but the, what became a very, very significant uh, time in my life was um, at a time when I was uh, operating and, and running a radio station in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. It was the first uh, and only urban gospel radio station in, in Cincinnati. And um, as a lawyer and as a journalist, um, even as a minister of God, I, I frequently um, spoke about racial issues um, on a talk show. I had a talk show called Tracy Live. 
And every day um, I would use that talk show to glorify God by dealing with complex issues um, of just injustice oftentimes, uh, particularly surrounding the, uh, the area of, of race. And as you might imagine, um, I uh, probably ruffled a few feathers in the community um, mm-hmm. by, <laughs> by honesty, um, some I, white people, and, and so they came for my station. And I, I actually was in a, a, a battle um, to keep my radio station for a number of years, um, and uh, because I believe of the of the you know the the racial um, I won't say tension I think it caused but person people weren't ready to deal with that issue honestly and so um, I lost my radio station um, and that was that was literally at the time it was my life and my livelihood and um, I I I was still fighting for my station. And uh, a friend introduced me to Ford, uh, and I don't believe that, again, that was our first time, but they told me to contact Ford. So I contacted Ford, and he was um, operating a a large ministry in downtown Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, we talked and we met, and he invited me to come over uh, to to his, his, his operation, his building, and to set up a new radio station uh, in his building. And um, and he gave me a place to to be able to land and to transition because I actually then moved from a a um, uh, on site radio station to a internet radio station uh, during that time while I fought to regain my radio station back and so that's literally how I I met him when he opened up his door to allow a a black radio station to come and to be a part of his ministry so that I could continue uh, to minister um, over the over the airwaves. Yeah, it's interesting, Tracy. Yeah, that did, uh, you know, that did happen. The very first time we met, I think you actually had me on your show. And when you were still in the, in the first building and we were promoting the prayer event at the Great American Ballpark, um, and that was the first time, and you didn't come to the interview. You did it by out of the car and uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah and, and your team came in and apologized and and you did you lit me up a little bit and that was okay okay because it, it was helpful and it was it was helpful for me to go wow those are some good hard questions that i've got to go back and i got to answer those i got to look at my own heart based on some of the challenges you gave me so yeah that was our first meeting where we didn't actually even meet which is really interesting and then yeah, over the next couple of years, we ran into each other at different places. And then when you lost your station, uh, we wanted you to move in our building if you wanted to. And, and you did. So forever thankful and grateful that that happened, actually. Well, likewise, because that set off or set in motion years, uh, not only of a, a, you know, a business relationship that allowed our ministry to continue to grow, but we collaborated with the, um, you know, with feeding the homeless, you know, for many, many years. Um, and most importantly, it, it literally uh, transitioned you and I into what I consider a lifelong, genuine friendship that, for me, has allowed me to reach across the racial lines and to really be genuine friends with someone who, I hate to say, represented so much hurt 
um, for me uh, because of how I've been treated by persons that looked like you. But it was because of your patience and your your true willingness not only to get to know me as a person, which is what I believe is what is missing and, and what it's really ultimately going to take to, to bring genuine racial uh, healing and reconciliation, it's going to take relationship. And relationship is not something that happens overnight. It's not something that happens in a few phone calls. It's something that takes time. It's almost like a marriage, to be honest. You know, people get married and then hard times hit, but they commit to stay married. They commit not to leave that marriage. And, and for Ford and I, that's what uh, true racial reconciliation between him and I have meant. It has meant um, hard conversations. It has meant disagreeing at times. Um, it has meant altering and moving our positions to attempt to see through each other's lenses. And most of all, it has meant staying there and then being for being there for each other through very hard and difficult and challenging times. And Ford has definitely proven himself to me over the years through many things now that I have endured that I never would have expected to face. But he has remained a true friend to me. And and honestly, PW, I love Ford Taylor with all my heart. You got to get in line there. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll let Ford uh, gather himself. Tracy, when I hear the word racist or someone is racist, I really struggle with that because I grew up in a white neighborhood out in the county. But because of my love for athletics and my uh, love for competition, I found myself on teams with people of color and they were teammates. They were became friends. They became lifelong friends. And then I joined the military. And again, those were my teammates. Those were my brothers. Mm-hmm. And when I when I hear people being accused of being a racist, it it's uh, I guess because I've never personally witnessed that. Maybe I dismiss it um, and. That's an issue that now I have to really re-evaluate that because my wife says that uh, I look for the best in everybody. And if someone has uh, maybe an unconscious unconscious bias, uh, I may have overlooked that because maybe they've done some good things. But that doesn't really dismiss the bias that might be there. Hopefully that made sense. But um, how would you... How would you teach, train, and equip uh, people like me who look like me that that think maybe this issue is blown out of proportion or being used for political purposes in this current time that we're living in right now? Well, honestly, let me just say, even for, as from a religious and, and a pastoral standpoint, I honestly don't understand how anybody of any race could look at some of the killings and and murders that persons, quite honestly, like you, based on the way you laid it out, might not see as a murder, but it's totally inexplicable for any other reason other than that person is black. Um, 
what we saw happen to George Floyd. And quite honestly, I think that that's what moved the needle for many white people who thought that every act of, of, of brutality, what is brutality to me, PW, that they witnessed, that they thought was justified, um, I think even for those people to see someone seemingly laying on the ground with clearly not moving, clearly not struggling, and to have someone cavalierly have their knees on this person's neck and without a thought in the world until that man died, I think that that's what has moved the needle for people maybe that thought like you just expressed and are now hopefully opening the eye, their eyes to what, for me as a black woman, I have seen, witnessed, and experienced my entire life. And I'm a black woman that was educated in the Catholic school system, went to predominantly white schools, and had predominantly white friends as my best friends until I reached a certain age and then society set in and a new reality um, set in uh, for me. And so I don't speak as just an African-American person that was raised in a black neighborhood um, that grew up around black people. I grew up around white people. And yet I remember now looking back in my childhood, things that I didn't even realize were, were racist things that were happen, happening to me even in, in school when I was defenseless and powerless as a little girl to stop it. You know, I, it took me years to understand why my teachers would not call on me when I had the answer or why one white teacher told my mother in, I believe, sixth grade at Catholic school that I was too ambitious, as if African-American uh, children um, uh, weren't smart or intelligent. Um, I remember at Miami University, uh, at that time it was a percentage maybe of, of 1%, I believe, uh, minorities. And so that was more than just African-Americans. That was all persons considered in that category minority at the time. And I remember one of my marketing instructors showing a racist video, literally in class, about the, the KKK. And I, number one, I didn't understand why he was even showing the video. Um, and then number two, I was the only black person in that class, and I wanted to crawl up under the desk. And it was so traumatic to me that I've never forgotten it. It just literally came to my mind during this. I would say, open, you have to open your eyes. And, and I don't even think you can open your eyes naturally. Uh, PW, I think only God can do that. I'm really at a place now where I see, and I've personally experienced so much racism um, as a woman, as a black woman, and I've seen so much. And then when I have conversations with persons that express what your sentiment, I just don't understand how people like you can't see what we see every day. It's literally we're just seeing through different lenses, but we're seeing things that are really happening every single day. I don't know if you saw the video the other day in Monroe, Indiana, of the white people trying to literally lynch a black guy in broad daylight, pinned him up against a tree, and it was only the intervention of other white people, innocent bystanders who didn't even know the black guy, stepping in to save that man's life. These are the type of things that have been going on every day for for black Americans but it's just now starting to get media attention because, thank God, everybody now has a cell phone. And so things that were done in the dark 
are naturally now starting to come to light because everybody has a cell phone. That's the only reason we're capturing these things on, on, on video. These are things that have always taken place. But honestly, I think unless God opens your eyes spiritually, you will always see that and believe that these things are, 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 are being um, exaggerated by black people. I assure you, based on my life experiences, these are not exaggerations. You know, I loved white people growing up, but I also later, because of my experiences as I grew up and, and started to, to be in my own business and had people take things from me, take my radio station from me just because they didn't like my message, take eventually my judgeship just because I was black and they didn't think that I deserved to have that kind of power. The higher you rise in positions of, of leadership and power in black America, the more you experience racism, because racism ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about power. It's about people who have more power than you. It's people that feel entitled, people that are privileged, and they use that power and that privilege and that entitlement against you to keep you from having what they have. Yeah, and, and PW, if I can kind of take a shot at that one too, even though I know you asked it to Tracy. Uh, I, I go back to the, when Tracy, when we, when we moved the radio station, I remember our whole team went and helped her pack up the building and move it in. And and the next day she came in, she said, so what do you want? How much are you going to charge me? I said, well, we're not going to charge you. The rooms are empty. Well, utilities, right? You're going to get me for utilities. Uh, no, utilities are on. Well, come on, you got to have an agenda. Now remember, I'm a white guy, and so I got to have an agenda based on all the history that she and her people that look like her, especially women, that they have, and so I'm now that person. And she shared that a while ago. And I said, Tracy, I said, I'm going to be honest, I do have an agenda. And she said, what is it? I said, I want to be your friend. And I'll never forget, she looked at me, and you want to be my friend? I said, I do. And she said, well, tell me what that would look like. I said that you would tell me what I do as a white man that makes you feel this way. And she said, you serious? I said, I'm serious. And and she said, okay, let me give one a shot. And she told me one. And I went, oh, my, I had no idea. I will never use that word again. She goes, what? I said, I had no clue. That one's done. What else? And she said, it's that easy for you. I said, it's that easy for me. And then she sat down. And we said, okay, let's, let's work it out. And, and, and we had passionate conversations, <laughs> okay, of being on two different ends. We, we both had a, uh, and again, you know, you've heard me talk about it, the continuum. On one end, you got racism. Next to that, you got conscious bias. Next to that, you got unconscious bias. And next to that, you got pure, unadulterated ignorance. I call it stupidity, but just ignorance. And I started realizing as I, as Tracy and I's friendship developed, how much ignorance I had, how much I just, I just didn't know, uh, and 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 having relationships with her, and getting to know other, and I'll use godly, <laughs> law-abiding, smart, beautiful black skin, African Americans, I started realizing the reality is I heard their specific stories, not what they said on Facebook, not what they put out in the media, but their very specific stories. You know, I watched firsthand, PW, 
that we go to lunch, and 100% of the time, that when Trace and I are at lunch, they, they asked to wait, take my order first. And I'd say, would you mind taking my friend's order first? And she'd say, thanks for noticing. But my point is, I don't, I, I, there's just this somewhere between, the, the problem is that whole continuum looks exactly the same. We look exactly the same, whether it's pure ignorance, unconscious bias, conscious bias, or racism. And when Tracy was able to say to me, and many other black leaders, I can't trust you because you're white. You know what? That's conscious bias. And I love that. Why? We can deal with that one. The unconscious stuff, the ignorance, that's hard to deal with. The intentional racism, that's an easy one. Look at that. That's intentional. Can you see? I mean, come on, guys. That's clearly holding people back. And so, and so we all have a part of our brain. And I'm going to get to one of those in a minute around her judgeship. And I want to talk about that on this show for a minute. Okay, but what happens is, as we're growing up, uh, Tracy, one of the things we've committed to on our podcast, that no matter what we're talking about, that every time we're going to give at least one tool that will help people. And so I'd like to interject one right now, because I really want to stay focused on the conversation. But we all have a part of our brain called the hippocampus. And, and all the information that comes into our brain comes in through our brainstem, it goes through other parts of our brain. Don't worry about the names, the amygdala, the limbic system. But it parks at the doorway of something that, that sits that sets at the base of our brainstem, right behind our earlobe, and it's called the hippocampus. And the way the hippocampus works is all this information that comes in and goes through our brain, if it has if it if it comes with passion or emotion plus purpose or meaning, it goes into the hippocampus. Now, the hippocampus is Greek for seahorse, and it looks like a little shrimp right next to our earlobe, and it goes in there. Now, the hippocampus is supposed to protect us from continually walking into dangerous situations, uh, to go back into an abusive situation over and over again. But once something goes into the hippocampus, in other words, something happens, it, it comes with passion or emotion plus purpose or meaning, and it has an outcome. Once it goes in there, later in life, if those kinds of things happen to us over and over again, when we see something that resembles what happened before, our brain can't process it. We automatically jump to the conclusion that we're going to get the same outcome that we got in the past. And so all of us have stuff in our hippocampus that says we're going to get the same outcome. Uh, as Tracy knows, when I was in junior high, uh, there were five uh, young African-American uh, young men that surrounded me uh, with the old uh, the combs they used to wear in their hair when they were you wore much fluffier, like froze and stuff. And they all had these in their hand, and they shoved me up against the locker and probably were going to beat me up. Uh, but a teacher came and, and pulled them off. And, and the guy that led that group, okay, w was not a, a good guy. But I was good friends with his brother. And so you'd ask yourself, why would he do that with a good friend of his brother? And we don't need to go there right now. And then later the guy kicked me, broke my finger, snapped it. But my point is, so my hippocampus could say that every black person is bad and they're going to beat me up because of what happened. But, but I, I, I don't believe that I, because I've taken the time to get to know Tracy Hunter 
I've taken the time to get to know these people that have had the, the same kinds of things happen to them, but over and over. In other words, that happened to me one time, but over and over and over again. And, and when it happens over and over again, that hippocampus just gets full. So Ford Taylor, a six foot three white guy with blonde hair and blue eyes, walks into the room. He is the symbol of that thing that's happened over and over again. And so I understand that. And so we all have to understand our stuff's, we all have hippocampus issues. And if, and if we can't understand that it's not our hippocampus that keeps us bound, it's not the things that we've done, nor the things that we've had done to us that keeps us bound. It's the lies associated with those things. So what happens is all of us have a hippocampus around this issue that we call racism. Now, it can be good or bad, but we all have one. Well, what happens is when we, when we live there and we stay there, we give up. And we say, it's never going to change. There's nothing we can do about it. And I just don't accept that. What I say is, if we get to know each other, and we really understand each other's hearts, and we understand each other's experiences, and, and we can keep our brains big. We don't let them get tiny from the anger. That, I mean, PW, I mean, this, may, this, isn't, this makes me angry. This is an angry topic for me. And so I have to be careful not to speak on it when I'm angry. Because when I speak on it when I'm angry, I might say or do something that I wouldn't normally say or do when I'm not angry. And so sometimes I have to step back and take a deep breath, not to let that anger well up. So hopefully I can still be heard as I talk about it. And so uh, to answer your question, I, I believe that most of us have not gotten in relationships, this is just my opinion, deep enough that we can hear these things from those who don't look like us, that they can trust that it's safe enough that Tracy could get to a place that she feels safe enough to share those things with me that she might not share with someone else, knowing that even if I don't agree with her, I'm going to stay at the table and I'm going to give her a chance to convince me. And thank goodness I did, because there are things she said I didn't agree with. And I got news for you. My eyes have been open and I've watched it now. I see it. And, and when that, like Tracy said, I, when that um, glaze comes off the eyes, you know what? People look different. They sound different. And then you got the media. And I watched, Patrick, what the media did to my dear friend, Tracy Hunter. I watched it with my own eyes. Okay? She won an election in a city that no woman, no black, no Democrat had ever held that seat. I watched her. I watched it have to go to the Supreme Court to even get them to open the votes in her own community, the absentee votes. I mean, I watched from the get-go to try to keep her out of office. Okay? I was with her in the room. I, I walked through that with her, and then she won. And then I watched how they systematically tried to take her out of office. I watched it. And, and I said, guys, where is everybody on this one? Where are you? Here's a law-abiding judge, lawyer, that cares about the youth in our community and trying to make a change. Where are we now? And I watched this happen to her. And now I'm watching the media do it over and over again, even around this, to take a small percentage of people that are wreaking havoc at these protests and making it look like everybody out there is that, and it's not. Ford, while uh, 
we ran a little long, and we just want to share with our listeners that uh, we're going to have to go to a part two with our pretty powerful time with Tracy Hunter. Yeah, you know, PW, I mean, we've had a good time with Tracy. We're going to go deep on the next one. So hopefully our audience will come back, and hopefully our, our lenses are changing just a little bit about how we might see things. So I can't wait to get Tracy back on the show for part two. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ford Taylor Talks. For more information and resources to help you love, influence, and transform, please visit FordTaylorTalks.com. Thank you.